was, it was a good week this week of um, being able to just meditate more, which was nice. I love to think. I was telling people on Thursday night, in your devotional time, there should be a moment when you pray, so you should hear your voice, and I encourage you to hear, you should hear your voice. And the thinking, your, praying your mind is not really necessary. It's not really like the Bible teaches. That Bible teaches speaking. Lord, we ask you this. You know, so I encourage you to speak. Read the word. Read the word. You know, spend time reading. And then take time to think. You should have a, a time when you can just sit to think about what you've read. What is God speaking to you and, and, and think, you know, so you should all. Those are the three pillars, you know, you know, pray, read, and think. Sit in a chair, get on your knees. Don't do it lying down in bed. <laughs> and um, think. Just think. Just think about the word. Think about the meaning of things. What does this really mean? Lord, do I grasp this? I've been, you know, just this week I have so many questions. And so this topic here has really, has really gripped me a lot more than I realized. Um, I have a lot of questions about it. And um, so we'll, we'll, you know, it's good. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy thinking about it. I really, I really do enjoy it. I'm at my best when I can just, just think about the word of God, the word, think about the truth of God, you know. And um, so I want to encourage you to think and, and spend time in the word. Okay, Luke 1, 8 through 9. Looking at this, this, this scripture, discerning the body. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. All right, and so let's, um, we've been looking at this idea of the temple of the Lord, and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for just, um, uh, Lord, that I can able to think meditatively and preach meditatively. So many questions, so many, Lord, things are not easy sometimes to grasp. And so we, we ask you for tempo and pace. Oftentimes that's very important. That we would lay groundwork for concepts, groundwork for truth. And that you would, you would enable us, Lord, to lay the proper groundwork that we can be able to stand on and then understand things really understand what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. And so I, I, I completely cast myself upon you. I ask you to bless us all as we meditate on your word, as we consider realities. Lord, there isn't something in the word that just blows, everything blows me away. And so sometimes it's hard to stay on one thing. And I just pray that you would speak your truth today to every heart. Even as um, we'll read later how Lord, that, that the Spirit interprets spiritual truth to those who are spiritual, that you would do that today. Everything that I say has to be interpreted by the Spirit into every heart. There is no, I cannot deposit meaning straight into people's hearts. I cannot do that. You never intended us to do that. But we speak, and then you take that word, and you interpret it and apply it into every heart in a way that's profitable, edifying, 
brings glory to your name. So do that today, Lord. May you help us to understand the scriptures. Open our minds. Help us to be spiritual people, not carnal. And so we ask you, Lord, for this work of the Holy Spirit, through the power of your spirit, through the power of your word. Thank you so much for, for your provision this, this afternoon. Amen. All right. Um, to enter the temple of the Lord is to be satisfied with the goodness of the house. We're going to cut some things that we've been cu covering over and over and over again. So we're, I think by now, hopefully, you get it. Blessed is the one you, whom you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. So this idea of God's people, God's temple, um, you know, I believe that I believe God will do something about understanding the house of God. You know, and um, I do think that this is answering a lot of questions that I've had for many, many years and about the, the house. Um, and I trust that, that somehow the Lord will, will um, help you to understand. But, um, but to experience the goodness of the house, um, we, we have to discern the body of Christ. We have to discern, even as we just finished reading during the communion, for, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. So this idea of discerning the body, I've been having a lot of questions of what in the world does that mean? Are you discerning the body? Am I discerning the body? You know, so, and then we also looked at when we fail to discern the body, um, when we fail to, we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. And we want to understand that. I have questions about that too, which I'm sure you do also. 1 Corinthians 11.30, that is why many of you are weak, ill, and some have died. And so we, we're, having, we're touching things that are very sobering, very serious. And I, and I do believe that in our generation, I think this is happening a lot more than we realize. But now it's important to, let me just establish, because I know I've said this last week, but it bears repeating, that I want to qualify that not all weakness, not all illness, not all death is caused by a failure to discern the body. So don't. Don't let the enemy in any way can bring subtle condemnation. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to need to go to the word because the devil could take anything and use you to condemn it. Did you know that? I remember when I was a young Christian, I was like, I was just shocked at how the devil's able to take a word like, um, hey, I went to the store today. And the devil would be like, well, you didn't go to the store today. <laughs> I feel bad. Lord, forgive me for not going to the store. <laughs> You know, and the devil could take anything and twist it and make you feel bad and guilty about it. But specifically, there are certain words that he can because that's his master. How did, how, did, how did the devil come to Jesus? Did he come to Jesus offering him crack? Money. How did, he, how did the devil come to Jesus? Charge over thee, right? And then not all. So, so he... Um, and we could turn things, but I want to just make sure that you understand that not all weaknesses, not all illness is caused by failing to discern the body. Let me, but let me show it to you scripturally. All right, so second, some weaknesses is for the display of the power of God. All right, so 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So, so, you know, just make sure these things, these balances, these tensions. But he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that, say it, 
the power of Christ may rest upon you. So, so weakness, right? So weakness, not all weaknesses come from a failure to discern the body. Some weaknesses are there in order to display the power of Christ in you, right? Um, so um, some illness, disease and illness, um, right, are for the glory of God. Look at John 11, 4. John 11, 4. I remember, I remember reading this when I had the coronavirus, and I immediately began to weep because I just sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I felt the Holy Spirit really, you know, I said, Lord, why do I have the coronavirus? Do you, do you guys do that when you get sick? You should. You should. You, you never take it for granted, right? Oh, I just caught a cold. No. Lord, everything okay? Right? Got fired from your job, something like that? A broken relationship? Take it with the Lord. Right? So I, I, I hope, hopefully you guys can do that and not feel like, <laughs> let's be mature. He loves you, but he does disciplines those whom he loves. Amen? But I, I remember reading this because I was asking the Lord, you know, why did you let this happen? Right? God did it. You gave me the coronavirus. Pretty serious, right? You have to be you have to be mature to to accept that God is at work, right? You know, some people like to complain the devil. I find this spirit of coronavirus. <laughs> like, you're making a mistake. Go to God first. Amen. So I said, Lord, you know, why did you give me coronavirus? But I read this, and I began to weep. And Jesus said, this illness is not leading to death. And I had a conviction I was not going to die. Just sensed it. Not only that, I, I felt the Lord say, you're not even going to go into the hospital. Not, you will not be admitted. It is for the glory of God. And boy, it was. <laughs> I don't want to deviate, but. It was the greatest two weeks of my life. Jesus became so near to me. Amen? It was for the glory of God. So not everything is like, right? Um, death, even death. Death, terrible, right? For the glory of God. John 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. This is one of the first scriptures I read when I was a young man. I knew, and I knew that the Lord was saying, you're going you're gonna to die, Emmanuel. You do what you want now. That's going to change. And it was serious. 
an encounter, your encounter, like you knew God was calling you to die, die to your things that you want, your preferences, what you want, what you want, I want it this way. And, and it's all subconscious. It's incredible. It's not like, I'm very conscious I want that. No, it's like, it just comes out. <laughs> it just comes out. And the Lord was just made it clear. I was just so happy with Jesus. And this word come to my heart. And I said, when you were, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19. Then he says, to show by what kind of death he was to what? Glorify God. Amen? So that whether we live or we die, it's all for the glory of God. Amen? So we can, we can have confidence that we can live the kind of life that, that, you know, not perfectly. You will never live that perfectly. You will be disciplined by the Lord. I don't care who you are. Can you get to a place where you've, you've, you just arrived so much that, oh, wow, I, you no longer need discipline. No, I'm sorry. You will never reach that point. All of us will require adjustments, things that the Lord has to do. That's just the nature of the beast. So, so we, 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 uh, we won't ever get to the point where that everything is because of the glory of God. Sometimes he will correct us. And one of those times is when we fail to discern the body. Failing to discern the body has material consequences for our bodies. 1 Corinthians 11.30, that is why many of you are weak, ill, and some have died. The Lord finds it right that when we treat his body with contempt in any way, he permits our own bodies to suffer. So there is a, there is a correlation there. Because I think, you know, I think we realize that failing to discern the body is implicit. Failing to discern the body causes injury to the body of Christ. And, um, and, and sometimes we may, it may, may not be perceptible injury, but I do believe because of the Lord's discipline in this area is, is quite severe. Uh, I was actually trying to, one of the questions I had was, is there any other place in the Bible, in the New Testament, where there is this idea that if you do this, this will happen of consequence to this degree. And I don't think, I couldn't think of one. This is a very unique um, to the body of Christ. Now, it, wasn't, it wasn't just generic, but it's just. And so it, the Lord finds it right that, um, that we to be, um, go through this. And, and the way the Lord has constituted the body, the injury affects the entire body of Christ. You have to understand that when we do fail to discern the body, there's injury, and then everybody suffers. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And I'm just, if one member suffers, all suffer together. So, believe it or not, I learned this principle a long time ago that we need revival, right, in our land. It's, 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 we need corporate revival. It's not enough for you to be revived. Not enough. If it was, not, if it was enough, then this principle would not, no longer apply. We all need to be revived because when we're one member suffers, we all suffer. And so the Lord began to use that to change my prayer. Oh, God, um, bring revival to the whole body. Bring the, the Lord, revive your people. Revive not just me. Set me on fire. Right? When we were young, Lord, set me on fire. Give me your anointing. Right? Like, but, but then you grow up and you realize, wait a minute. This is not about me. So pray, pray, Lord, um, 
bring revival to your people. Bring revival to your house. Stir up because that's how, because when one member suffers, we all suffer. So it pleases the Lord to allow this weakness. And, um, and you might say, is this consistent with the way God deals with his people? Yes. Um, this, has, this is actually the manner of judgment. When you think of God, about God's judgments and discipline, and I think they all kind of fall in the same category. You know, obviously, this in 1 Corinthians is not unto death. And I'll show that later. That with the Lord, whatever the Lord is doing here, he is not talking about eternal destruction. He's just talking about discipline for his people. But in general, all of God's discipline, all of God's judgments fall under basically the same, the same principle. And what is that principle? You see that in Matthew 7, 2. You, you should be aware of this, you know, because a lot of people sometimes go through things, and they don't know why they go through things. But sometimes it's pretty obvious why we go through things. This is the way God's judgments and disciplines are, are you know, the, the economy of God's judgments. But with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Not complicated. You steal $2, you, right, you lose $2. You steal, right, it's, just, it's not complicated. And that's very helpful, very helpful that, that, that sometimes the things that, the things that are measured back to me becomes an opportunity to say, Lord, am I treating somebody selfishly because this person you know, for example, I had an incident when I had um, a person not call me back for weeks. And, um, and I was wondering, am I, have I done the same thing to somebody? You know? So, so, so it, these are opportunities to, like, to think about when, when things are measured. And so it, it, it appears, look, look at um, God's judgments are not, they're not arbitrary, they're not random. They're, there's a method to the badness, you know. Sometimes we, sometimes we look at God's judgments and discipline in our lives, and we don't have a clue, but if, and oftentimes because we, we, we're lacking discernment, but we really do we, do, we should be able to see. The Lord's judgments are always according to the ways of man. Look at Job 30, 34, 11. For according to the work of a man, he will repay him, and according to his ways, he will make it befall him. Look, look at, look, this, this principle is established in Exodus. Exodus 21, verses 23, 25. But, there is, but if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for, hand for, foot for, burn for, wound for, stripe for. So it, it, it's, it just, that's just the economy of God that you should know. So that, you know, it's good to know how the Lord executes his judgments, his dealings, right? Um, you know, so you see... So, for example, um, there's abortion, the killing of babies. So if you're a spiritual person, you already know what the judgment is going to look like. What is the judgment going to look like? Yeah, but be more specific. What was that? He's going to take, he's going to take children. You know... When abortion comes, you kill babies, right? Life for life. There's going to be death of life. You kill babies, this, right? So, so, so you, don't have to, you don't have to be like, um, oh, how, what's it going to do? There's going to be judgment coming because of abortion. A life for a life. How many, how many babies have been aborted? 
Does anyone know? In the world. How many babies have been aborted in the world? For every baby that's been aborted, God will take a life. Did you know that? For the, for the saints. For the, for the saints. The saints are covered. <laughs> but for the, old, the unredeemed, it's life for life. So we should not be, so we should, we should have an idea. You see the transgender movement? Homosexuality? It's going to be in some other crazy way the judges are coming. So, so the, idea, the idea that, 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 that this principle that a life for life, you should, not be, you should not be confused about that. That's just the way it is. I told you about what happened to me, right? I was doing my taxes. And the guy told me, hey, let's, it was $25. And the $25, and I knew those $25 were not valid. They, were, they should not have been deducted in my taxes. But he wiggled his way, said, ah, it's, it's whatever, it's okay. This happened, woo, I, was in, I was in College Point. And I was uncomfortable. I said, well, and I didn't pay too much mind. I said, it was $25. I was uncomfortable. We finish the transaction. I go downstairs. What do I have in my car? A what? What do I have in my car? For how much? $25. Yes. I think it's more global. You know, you may not necessarily see, but I think it's much more global because things are mostly handled corporately with God. suffer the consequences. Now, now in Christ, right, in Christ, that whole mechanism is broken for good reasons. But, and even in Christ, the ones that are covered are the unintentional sins. The intentional sins require repentance and confession. And then there's a provision provided. To, that's why we, we, we are we escape the curse of the law. But a lot, I don't know if people think that only for the redeemed. For the redeemed are free from the curse. But as far as everybody else, it's, it's the curse of the law is very operative. And God's economy of that, how he, how he, how he manages that is complex. But he satisfies his own requirements. He satisfies his own. But you can guarantee it, a burn for a burn. Why do I believe that? Because that's his word. I may not be able to explain to you exactly how this burn equates to that burn, but I can tell you I'll stand here to death a 
burns, 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 burns. Why? Because it's God's word. His word doesn't change. And the only way to escape that is through Christ. The only way. Amen? And, and that's why you, 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 can, you can already see the spiritual person can understand the landscape of the, of the society because we understand God, we have, his, we have his word in us, and we can apply that. The key word there is truly. A lot of people say the prayer of faith, but doesn't mean that they're born again by the Holy Spirit. Escapes, right? Escapes that principle. But it doesn't escape that principle. No, they're changed. So there's an escape by virtue of the fact that our, our natures change, our hearts are changed. Yes, we're transformed. But there is a wonderful perfect cleansing applied the moment a person is born again. So, so these, are, these, are, these are things that we have to grapple with. Now what's interesting about First, first, first Corinthians, I'll bring this back later. The, 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 the wrench in First Corinthians 29 is and I'm going to bring this, bring this back later is the fact that this we've in, we've escaped the law curse of the law. So then, why is God causing some to become weak and ill, the Son of God? That's the million dollar question that we have to grapple with. So there is a sense in which we have escaped the curse of the law, right? I, and I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't even consider that the curse of the law. I, I think that's a different category. But there is a sense in which if we don't discern the body, we eat and drink judgment to ourselves. Right? So that, that is a tension there between, okay, Lord, you know, let, let's get, let, you know, and I think, this is the only, I think this is the only place in the New Testament where you'll see this tension much more stronger. Why not just, why not just hey, it, it's absorbed by the blood. Who cares if you discern the body or not? Hey, Lord, what's happening? I thought you said that no more, um, no more. What's going on, Lord? Right? So that's why we have these tensions. That's why we, you know, some people can gravitate to one swing or the other, but we got to really bring them both together and trust God that, hey, if we, if we fail to discern the body, if I fail to discern the body, I will start to feel weak. If I continue to feel the body, I'll probably become ill. And if I continue to discern the body, I'll probably, I'll probably will die. That's the reality today in the New Testament, according to God's word. So, so, so there's, but yet we escape the curse of the law at the same time, right? So, 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 so there's, um, and I do believe that the curse of the law has to do with destruction, eternal, eternal consequence, which, which, which really First Corinthians is not dealing with at all. It's more dealing with discipline. But we got, but that, but that discipline is real. It's not like out there. So, so we. we these are the kinds of things that I felt like, okay, well, let, let, let's slow down and um, let's slow down and, 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 and start to, I want to, I did take a step back and today I'm going to actually, I'm going to ask a simple question. What does it mean to discern? And so I, I felt like, you know what, for my own sake, I, I needed this 
exercise, what does it mean to discern? Discern the body. What does it mean to discern? And I want, I want to look at that. And let's, let's go right into it. Ah, it's already 12.42. Okay. What does it mean to discern? Let me see if I can do this in 15, 20 minutes. First of all, to discern, right, to discern the body, refers to an ability. And have ability. So when we talk about discern, I'm not sure what comes to your mind, um, you know, as opposed to something you do, right? Ability, right? It's a capacity to do or to act physically, mentally, morally that reveals a skill, right? So, so it's an ab ability, it's a skill, an ability that demonstrates an aptitude to do something well. In namely, discern. It means to examine, to evaluate. Um, the word there is to separate. If you're going to notice that um, that's what true, true wisdom and intelligence, what, what, is, what is true, in, it really is the ability to separate. The ability to say yes, no. In fact, one of the words to the word, um, one of the meanings to the word discern is, the word, is to mean to doubt. That's very helpful because in the separation, you know, when, when God gives this, this capacity and you're able by the Spirit of God to separate, what, what are you doing? You're not only separating, but oftentimes what you're saying is no to that, yes to this. That's good. That's not good, right? So it, it actually causes you to doubt what is not good. Does that make sense? So that, that discerning has this doubting. Doubting is not bad. Amen? Doubting is not bad. Doubting is a part of the framework of truth. Because you say, that's not valid. I doubt the integrity of that. And you could be standing in absolute truth. So, so it, it's okay. So you question things. You, it's an ability that you can able to discern and separate. Secondly, and this is where I think the Lord landed me yesterday. To discern is not just an ability. It is a spiritual ability. Uh, you know, so, so um, look, look at 1 Corinthians um, 2, 14 and 15. To discern is a spiritual ability. We... This is, the, uh, this is the area that I, I really got burdened for. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. First of all, um, there's a lot of things we can say about the scripture, but what we can say is notice that Paul says that the natural person is not able to understand this. What does that mean? It means that he is, the issue is not that he is unwilling to understand them. Is that, is that clear? This is not, he's not willing. Paul does not say the natural does not, is not willing to accept the things of God. It says very clearly he's not able to what? 
to understand them. So that's very, very important that, that, that you, you, you understand how this works. There is a, a, a failure. There's a lack of capacity, a lack of power to even understand them. The issue is not that he exercises, that, that he just not, fails to exercise his will and he refuses to understand. That's not the issue. That's not the ultimate issue. Now, there is, a, is, there a, 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 is there a degree of refusal? Yes. Absolutely. They're not robots. The natural person has no internal capacity or power to understand the things of God. Think about your loved ones. Think about them. Think about the people that you talk to about Jesus Christ. Have you, have you learned very quickly? Like, oh, wait a minute. What am I doing here? <laughs> Back up. They don't understand. They, they don't get it. They can't get it. Isn't that crazy? The Lord sends us out to talk to people that can't get it. But praise God for the Spirit of God, right? <laughs> so we, we don't know in that, that point of contact with the Spirit. But, you know, you, they can't get it. Some are for free will, right? So many people say, oh, I, that, they got free will. Do you really? <laughs> you don't have free will. Your will is in bondage to yourself. Your will is in bondage to what you want. And there's no one that can deliver you out of that prison except Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not about, I'm unwilling to understand. My son and daughter are unwilling to understand. That's not the issue. They can't understand. That's so important for us, and boy, does that motivate us to mercy, right? How can you, how can you beat somebody over the head because they can't? You know, imagine, imagine you beating somebody over the head because you want them to speak Spanish, but they're from Holland. I can't believe you speak Spanish. I'm like, and that's what we do. That's what we do, man. I've explained it to you. You said that love mucha veces. No me entiendo a mí. ¿Qué le pasa a ti? Right? That's what we do with the gospel. I've told you, for God so loved. And we, and we go into all this drama. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? There's no power to convince. There's nothing there. There is nothing there. There cannot understand. Amen? I mean, that is so true, and, 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 and it's, it liberates us from the agony, the anguish, the frustration. How many of you frustrated with loved ones? <laughs> like, how many of you frustrated with people that, you know, you said like, you, but, no excuse, you've seen, you've seen it, you've seen it. <laughs> but you could be with a blind person for 30 years, and you put it on your sneaker, and you can say, and at the end of 30 years, if you say, man, bro, you've seen me put on my sneaker for 30 years. I mean, you're the one that needs help. <laughs> right? They're, they, they are not able to. Paul uses a word there that indicates they have no power to understand. And so the other flip of the coin is that the fact that you understand. <laughs> it's time to get on your knees and praise God and say, how did this happen? And it wasn't because you're smart. And it wasn't because you read this or read that. It's because God did a miracle. Amen? And so we got to get back to that. Because that's what's going to give us the faith to go to witness. God can raise the dead. 
You're not trying to persuade people. Forget about that. <laughs> you got to speak the word of God and hope that the spirit is anoints that word and, and just makes them alive. Amen? So the, the ability to discern the things of God is completely out of the realm of the natural person. Don't ever get frustrated, like I said. Secondly, not only does Paul makes it very clear, this is not a matter of the will, but Paul implies, listen up carefully, Paul implies that it is possible for the natural person to come into contact with the things of God. He implies it. That's implied by the scriptures, obviously implied. He is not saying that the, that the, the unnatural person makes no contact whatsoever with spiritual things. No. There's, in some weird way, some kind of strange way, there is a contact between the natural person and the things of the Spirit of God. There are things of the Spirit of God, and, and, and they're folly to him. Now, why do I say that? It implies that. Be very simply, that a failure to understand something implies what? that you have come into contact and have attempted to understand, right? If I tell you, man, I did not understand my algebra class, what does that imply? That I was in class at one point in time, listening to algebra, seeing, hearing, and nothing. <laughs> it's like that nothing came into it, right? So it implies, this is serious, it implies that the natural person can come into contact with things of the Spirit of God. They come into contact, and here's the issue. If the issue is not that they don't come into contact. The issue is that they can never arrive at a true interpretation of what they experienced, of what just happened. They're not able to understand them, so they cannot interpret them. They just see it. And we're, gonna, we're actually going to see that, how, happen, how, how many times it happens. And I'm telling you, it's, it's concerning when things, God does things and, 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 and people don't see it. I remember John Piper was saying how he was preaching on the glory of Christ and just lifting of Christ and lifting of Christ, lifting of Christ and lifting of Christ, lifting of Christ and lifting of Christ, lifting of Christ. And at the end of the day, it was like, it was like I, I, you know, and at the end, as I'm walking out, someone comes up to me, hey, brother, did you see? That the Antichrist is spirit, you know, they're going to raise up this. And he was like, <laughs> you didn't hear a word that I said. We're, more, com we're more, com more concerned about things that are happening rather than the glory and the beauty, the majesty of Jesus Christ. And I was so encouraged by that. I was like, that is so true. They can't arrive at a good times. Um, they will, will come to come, unable to arrive at an interpretation, but, it, but, it, but oftentimes um, they will, will come into contact. Look, look, at, look at John 12, John 12, 27 through 29. John 12, 27 through 29. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? This is Jesus. Jesus is speaking. He's, he's about to go to the cross. And he's feeling the anguish of going to the cross. And he's, Jesus said, my soul is troubled. We can't even begin to understand what that means, right? Try to, try to measure that trouble. 
soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Beautiful. That's, that's an example for us. When your soul is troubled, some of us say, oh, God, don't love me. No, he says, Father. His relationship with the Father is just as strong. He's not like, oh, Father, are you, are you upset with me? No, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, you know, he understands, I have come to this hour. And the Father was so moved in verse 20, 28. And um, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from where? From heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Pretty clear, right? Beautiful. Is there anything to be wrong, anything to be interpreted? Verse 29. The crowd that stood there, you know, the crowd, you know, heard it. Hey, it thundered. <laughs> that, that's us right there. That's a picture of us, you know. God moves, and we just come up with some idea, some other thing. You know, hey, you know, hey, it thundered. No, it didn't, th didn't thunder. God spoke. But they couldn't discern it. But it was thunder. Oh, is that so true of us? Oh, yeah. God, <laughs> you know, but did you hear his voice? Do you know what he said? A thunder is just noise. That was not, that was, I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. Pretty different. Is that a big difference between I have glorified it? And it's pretty, pretty big difference, right? But we like the, right? We like that. The thunder. Those are the spiritual ones, you know. Now, the spiritual ones say, oh, no, an angel spoke to him. <laughs> Those are the spiritual ones, you know. They're both wrong. Father spoke to him. They, they, they just, that's us right there. That's a perfect example. We can, we can come into contact with um, things that God does, but there's lacking of discernment. Look, look at Acts 22. Acts 22, verses 6 through 9. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, what does he say? Who is he? I am Jesus of Nazareth. This light that came was not some an arbitrary light, you know, some light of the, light of the imagination. <laughs> this is Jesus of Nazareth. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Right? And, and, it, and it's wonderful how God here, even in this passage, Paul, he doesn't know. He needs clarity. And the God is so faithful to say, Paul, I'm going to help you out. I am. <laughs> right? He had no clue. He got, he got you know, Lord, you know, so he had an idea, but, you know, that's not good enough. But he came into contact with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. But look at verse 9. And now those who were with me, they saw the light. But what? Did not what? Understand the voice of the one who was speaking to 
This happens all the time in churches. My, my heart breaks over this one because I think, let's be honest, I think this happens a lot. Some receive and they hear something and their hearts are stirred. Others, right? It was okay. Why is that different? You know, it's, it's scary, right? Right, right. And God could be God could come down. Jesus Himself has manifested Himself. He has revealed Himself. To, Paul's not confused. Paul's not saying, "Oh, oh, I don't know." You know? <laughs> no, Paul, his life will never be the same again. He can't see, but he's more changed. He can see more than all of us put together. <laughs> and he's going back a changed man. And the other people are like, "Hey, did you see that? Um, oh, yeah, did you see that? Hey, I thought I saw some green and some blue. Oh, nothing." And they, their lives just intersected with eternity. With the king of glory came. The king of glory was there, and yet they were so far. And they could not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to them. This is a very serious issue. To be able to have spiritual understanding and discernment. And, and, and we, we have to, you know... And, and that doesn't mean that we don't have questions. We, I, I'm the king of questions. But we shouldn't be perpetually in, in a fog. We should be growing in our understanding, in our, right? There, there ought to be growth in what God is doing. You know, can you see yourself? Or do, you, do you sense the spirit of God increasing your capacity to understand the glory, the beauty, the amazement of Jesus Christ? Can you, here's what happens when God does that. It's amazing how when he begins to open the eyes of the blind, open your eyes to the beauty of you, you start to see Jesus everywhere. I'm telling you, you can hear one verse. It, it doesn't have to be a whole sentence. It could just be a phrase, and you see Christ. And everywhere you go, because he has, he's beginning to open your eyes, and there is just unending all that you see of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and, and sometimes I'm concerned because I think in America, we have so babied. We, have, we give our spiritual food, baby food. And, and we have to hold back because there, there's just something lacking in their understanding. You look at a lot of the messages today, and I, I do listen to some, not a lot, but just concerned about the, the quality. It just, seems, it just seems very natural. There's not depth. By now we should have been depth. I mean, right? By now we've got 2,000 years. Of, there ought to be, you know, and not just information. That's not what we're talking about. It's about spiritual depth. You know, and, um, so just know that, um, Look at 1 Corinthians 2.13. And we impart this in words. You know, this is the church. At the end of the day, the church is a spiritual community. And everything that happens, happens on the level of the spiritual. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom. 
but taught by the Spirit. Not by books, books can be helpful. But ultimately, it has to come by the Spirit. I get very concerned when people can quote every theologian in the book, but they never quote the Bible. You could allow these theologians on shape and all that and not, not have anything really taught by the Spirit. You've got to be taught by the Spirit. You can't be taught by a teacher. You've got to be taught by the Spirit. You, you, you have to enter to the school of the Spirit and, and say, okay, God, I need this word to come alive. I need it to do something in me. It's not enough for me to just understand logically. I get it logically, but I need something more. I need spiritual truth to penetrate into me so I can begin to understand and discern. Amen? That's a cry for the hour. Paul says that we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths. To whom? To everybody? No. Only to those who are spiritual. The teaching and worship of the church is always directed to those who are spiritual. I think the tendency today in many churches is quite the opposite. I'm afraid to say it, but I think it's, as a whole, let's be honest, we tend to appeal to the lowest common denominator, and that is a strategic mistake. God speaks to his people and those who are spiritual. And what, one of the things that has happened over the past 30, 40 years, if you don't know this, you know, and I even wrote a paper in seminary about this. Churches began to grow increasingly, but the growth was all carnal, primarily carnal. It was people not born again of the spirit just began to just, uh, you know, I, I, I like that thing, man. That helps my marriage. It helps my, I heard a, a, a good job type of sermon. I said, man, God bless this brother. He's saying so much truth about people that come to church, but at the bottom, they're, they're not thrilled for Jesus Christ. They are thrilled because Jesus helps us have a good marriage. Jesus helps them with their finances. Jesus helps them with all this stuff. But at the bottom, there isn't a longing for Christ. That's what separates the true born-again person. <laughs> there goes the alarm. I think, I think it's a time for alarm in the church. And what's happened is that we have had such a mixed crowd. And you cannot talk spiritually because you just detect, man, I don't know that this person is truly born again. And so, so, so this is a burden I, I started feeling yesterday. We, we, we tried to prioritize those who are not spiritual. And the Lord made that very clear to me early on. I said, no, you, you know, you appeal to the strong spiritually, not the other way around. I don't know if I've done a good job of that, honestly. But the Lord made that, do not appeal to the weak. Appeal to the strong. Let, let me worry about the weak. You train, you discipline, you speak truth, right? And, you know, and speak to the tr those who are spiritual. Speak to those who are, who are growing in Christ. Don't, don't try to, don't spend all your energy 
you know, I, I, I spent so much time trying to drag people, trying to drag people, please stay, please. When you're spiritual, you don't have to beg anyone to stay. Amen? We don't have to give them cotton candy. Right? Learning. God is looking for spiritual people. You don't have to, you know, try to compensate for their carnality by trying to be nice. No, we need to be all things for all men. Amen. We need to humble ourselves, condescend. But I just think that this emphasis in many American churches, where we, we gravitate to those who are just not spiritual. I started seeing that, especially when I came to Pennsylvania. I would go to a church, and I would talk to this woman or this brother, and they would thrill my soul because they were so happy for the Lord. They just rejoiced in God. They talked about the Lord all the time. But then <laughs> I would go into the, the rest of the crowd. And what would they say about that person? Oh, they're a little edgy. Um, they're a little fanatic. <laughs> that happened a lot. I was like, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. They're, uh, you guys, uh, this one here, I think she's got something with the Lord. I don't know about you guys. And, and, and it's just, I began to see that um, more and more emphasis was placed that, that I, this is what I believe tragically that has happened over the past 30 years, that those who really love Christ have been marginalized those who really are hungry and thirsting for God, right? And they're the ones that, well, now we have taken them for granted. Well, they'll always be there. So let's really try to focus on, let's give these, non, these nominal, carnal believers, let, 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 let's try to get them, right? And we spend so much effort trying to drag them up, right? That what happens is it drags the whole church down, right? So this idea of being spiritual, of really, really um, prioritizing spiritual persons, because Paul says that these truths are being interpreted only to those who are spiritual. Finally, and I'm, I'll, I'll quit this, list and we'll continue next week. Paul says that a spiritual person has the ability to judge all things. Let's go back to um, that 1 Corinthians passage, 1 Corinthians 2, 15. The spiritual person has the ability to judge all things. And that's why when we talk about discerning the body of Christ, this is, this is clearly a, a, a capacity for a person, um, a spiritual person, can discern the body of Christ. And this discernment is not their own. It's, it's the spirit of God. They can see things. They understand things. This word judge, by the way, this word judge, judges all things. It's the same word. It comes from the same root word as discern. So you could say the spiritual person discerns all things. It's basically the same idea. The idea of judging and discernment, very closely related, very closely related. It means to examine, to evaluate carefully. All right? So, um, so a, a, a spiritual person discerns all things. That, remember I was telling you that God, when he, the Lord begins to give you light by the Spirit of God, wisdom and understanding just starts to really go into your soul, and you can interpret things. There are things that have happened. People do, people say with their lips, and I immediately understand why they, they I just, I get, I get it. I, I see it. Ten years ago, I'd be like, I would be like, lost. Oh, okay. they just picked up that thing from the floor. Now it's like, wait a minute, what did they pick up that thing? Oh, where? Oh, yes. Wow, okay. You start to see things. You start to, like, really understand a little bit better. What is going on, Lord? Life is profoundly meaningful. Did you know that? 
that nothing in life is just mundane. Nothing in life is just like, not, you know, meaningless. Be careful with that mindset. Everything in life is meaningful. Amen? And so, um, what is, what, what, who is the spiritual person? What does it mean to be spiritual? Are you spiritual? I don't know if I am. Am I? Are we spiritual? I know we've been born again by the Spirit, but that's not what Paul is talking about. So our essence, essentially we're spiritual by birth, but are we spiritual? Are you spiritual? Are you a spiritual person? Will Paul be able to say, oh, wow, there it is, spiritual person? Can he say that about you, about me? I don't know. Serious question. Because if, we, if, we, if we're not, right, then we have a problem. We're going to have problems with our understanding. So who is this, who is this spiritual person? Let me bring a little bit of clarity so that this can. First of all, not all born-again believers are spiritual persons. They are spiritual in their essence by is spiritual. But that does not mean that every born-again person is spiritual. So that it's all right. So we can, right? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Paul says it very clearly. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Paul uses two phrases that clearly indicate that he's speaking to born-again, spirit-regenerated people. What are the two phrases? Brothers. He doesn't say that to unbelievers. Right? Brothers. Right? What's the other phrase he uses? You are in. That's a great. Hey, man. Nothing to be ashamed about that one. You are infants in Christ. Praise God. I mean, I don't care. At the end of the day, I, I, at least I'm an infant in Christ. <laughs> I, I'll take it. I'll take it, Lord. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, praise God for infants in Christ. You know? So nothing, nothing to like, that, that's, not a, that's not a low class, trust me. But, but Paul is bringing something very, very important for us, and that is that you can be a brother, sister, part of the family of God, and you can be an infant in Christ, right? And yet not be what? Spiritual. And the main thing, the main hindrance to that Right? I, I can't speak to you a certain way. I can't. There are things I can't talk to you about. Because you are not spiritual. So, so what can we say? What else can we say? It appears that a spiritual person describes a believer that has passed the age of infanthood, spiritual infanthood, so that it's not possible to be an infant in Christ and a spiritual person at the same time. You can't do it. it, it it's just not part of the growth. There is a stage of spiritual life which Paul defines as infants in Christ. That's a valid, honorable stage. Amen? 
That's an honorable stage in life. Infants in Christ. However, it appears that a spiritual person, at bare minimum, has passed that state. He's no longer considered an infant in Christ. Does that make sense? So at least, you know, so, so I, don't think, I don't think he raises the bar that high. It's just, it just means don't be an infant. Right? Based on this, he said, look, you're an infant. I can't speak to the spirit. It seems like once we pass spiritual infanthood, actually there's a degree of spirituality. Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. I fed you with milk. Milk is for infants. But, you know, third, it, it appears that um, a spiritual person, like, so we're thinking about what is spiritual, right? So one is you can be born again and not be spiritual. Secondly, um, it seems like a spiritual person has passed the age of spiritual infanthood. How do you know that? Um, you still need milk. You don't go deep in the word of God. You're always, you're not chewing on stuff, right? Solid food requires teeth. Requires a, a better digestive system, right? It's just, it's just, you know, there's a difference. You know, that we could, we could have solid food. You know, that we, that we could really uh, ask God, Lord, am I eating solid food? And then thirdly, a spiritual person appears to be no longer governed by carnal impulses. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 3 and 4. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh, behaving only in a human way? Is that jealousy? You know, you just stick within jealousy, stuff that you struggle with jealousy-wise. Strife. Just can't seem to get along with people. Something always cropping up that really makes me, you know, right? Let's be honest. Have we had those moments? We have. I hope, hopefully it's less. You know, right? We're asking strife. Too much strife in the body of Christ. Too much, right? It's going to happen, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's part of spiritual infanthood. It's okay. Strife is not, you don't get excommunicated for strife. <laughs> it's going to happen. But it's a sign of spiritual infanthood. He goes on. Um, for one, when one says, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So this idea, you know, to be a spiritual person doesn't make these, oh, I am of this, I am of that, these allegiances. Our allegiance sometimes are just very carnal, very like they have no purpose. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ, amen, and to the body as a whole. A spiritual person has learned to walk by the impulses and the instincts of the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians 
but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the ability to discern is a spiritual ability that the spiritual person has acquired by spiritual maturity and growth. If we're going to discern the body, guess what? You cannot discern the body as a spiritual infant. You're not able to do that. Which tells me, because I think so many fail to discern the body, and so, and so much I have failed to discern the body, I wonder if we're all infants. I, I, at least we're in, praise God. But I wonder, do we discern the body? What does that even mean, right? Oh, you're going to find out what it means. Oh, <laughs> you're going to find out what it means. And the more I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, God. Well, maybe we're not so great as we think we are. Maybe, we, maybe we're still in the, you know, I mean, in the very spiritual, you know, fetus stage. <laughs> but I think this is a serious question. Why is there such a lack of discerning the body? And that's, I think we all have to ask that question. And I, and I look at what, what it costs. Discernment requires spiritual maturity. And if we're failing to discern the body, we, must, we can only conclude one thing. We're not spiritually mature. We're still in infanthood. And so th these are serious questions that we're, we're asking God, Lord, do that. Let us, you know, let us really press on. Ask God, you know, Lord, we want, to, we want to discern not just the body, but discern, grow in discernment, grow maturity, to really ask God, you know, not to be satisfied with where you're at as a, as a believer, but to say, I want to grow more in my understanding. Next week, we're going to talk about the third thing. I was hoping to get to this. Next week. Discerning is not only an ability. It's a spiritual ability. But let's bring it a little home. It's a mental ability. Look at the role of the mind in this economy of God. And I, that's, this is a very important topic. The mind plays a very important role in examining. And sometimes I wonder, Lord, I mean, you know, that's why I tell you, you know, as a whole, you might be struggling with mental illness. Meditate on the word of God. Avoid as much as you can, as much as is possible. Not that if you take him, you're, whatever, you're doing anything wrong, but avoid these psychotic drugs that sometimes alter your mind and makes it very difficult to think clearly. Consider, I would, I would suggest, consider meditating on the Word of God and use that as a, as a as You have meditation, medication. <laughs> you know, just change one letter, right? And it's like... Um, I would, cons you know, I would, I would encourage you to fight the tendency in our society to hand out, to prescribe these, these psycho. Don't think that's can alter your way of thinking, and you're, and you're like numb. Don't think that's conducive to spiritual growth. I don't think it's conducive for you to grow if you're under this powerful influence, mind-altering. Influence. The mind is such an important, and the devil knows exactly what he's doing. So we're going to talk about discernment being 
a, capac- a spiritual capacity that involves this renewal of the mind. Because we need to ask God to clarify our mind to be able to discern with maturity, speak with maturity, clearly. So at, let's, ask, let's believe God and believe me, there's a lot of mental health issues and we need to be compassionate. We need to ask God, Lord, Lord, help, but let's pray for one another. It just seems to be getting worse. More and more kids are just, their, their minds are just, with all the, um, the video games, that's damaging the mind, just all this stuff. And I, I, I say, oh, God, I think there's no wonder this, the, our society got so caught up with zombies. I think that's a prophetic picture of what's coming. Zombies, unable to feel, unable to react emotionally, unable to make discerning, uh, to right thoughts. Just, just, are, are you like me? I'm, I'm vexed. I, I find this morning I was praying. I said, Lord, I just have, I just surrender. I'm going to die vexed. I'm going to, I'm dying, I'm going to die vexed. I'm dying vexed. I've embraced it. <laughs> I've embraced, I'm going to die vexed. I'm going to be in anguish for the rest of my life because of what I see in our society. And I know Christ has won the victory. And I know the victory is sure, but that's okay. I, I'm going to be vexed but to see the children suffer, to see so many minds destroyed. I'm not just going to sweep it under the rug. I, I, I'll embrace being vexed. Amen? Like, like Lot. Lot was vexed living in Sodom. And we, we, we say, Lot, oh, what a bomb. Yeah, well, he was, he was vexed in Sodom. How about you? Are you vexed? <laughs> I hope I could be more like Lot. And, and it, my, my spirit turning. I said, Lord, I hate this. Bring your kingdom, oh God. Right? It ought, ought to motivate, Lord. Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So the mind, we're going to talk about to discern refers to a mental ability. And I'm praying that God would just set us free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, my heart aches. To discern. Oh, Jesus. To discern the body. To to grow. Feel the burden of the Lord. This is called to, Lord, that you want want us to grow. And that's only going to come as we come into the word of God. We have to start with milk. And then from there, you give us, begin to, Lord, give us meat, the meat of the word. I pray for spiritual maturity, for the ability to discern so many things, Lord. I believe the center of this discernment is the body that's going to govern and regulate everything. All discernment will be regulated by the body the body of Christ so that nothing will ever be detached either directly or indirectly from the body. Everything, Lord, is for what you're doing in this church, in this building, Lord, in in, in this spiritual house that you're building, Lord, in the whole world, this magnificent people. And so, Lord, I things that we're doing maybe, um, but it's not something that we can do ourselves, but it is a, a matter oftentimes of discipline and, and just giving here at Hope. May we be immature. And so, Lord, I pray for us here at Hope. May we be immature people. Lord, may we be a people who are discerning, spiritual person. 
pray, God, that you will help us to grow. I feel like my discernment of the body is so low, so small. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to just really do a great work in all of us. We love you, Jesus, and we, we, we want all that you have for us. Thank you so much, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for this word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just bless us as we go home, as we dismiss. May that word burn in us all week long. May we consider what has been said, and may you, Spirit of God, may you interpret these truths to those who are spiritual. Lord, do that. It's not enough to just stand here and speak. You must interpret it. And so bless them, Lord, as they go home, as we go home, as we enjoy the rest of our day, the rest of our week. May your, your glory, may your grace cover us. Oh, God, may your, may your grace cover us and help us to walk in a way, in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Denzel. Lord bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day, your rest of your week. And don't forget, no worship lounge tonight. So just um, take it easy. Have fellowship with one another.